Hello and welcome to my podcast, Breadcrumbs. Thank you so much for joining me. This is Ashley, aka Ash Kitten, your host, and today we are going to be talking about, um, we're going to be piggybacking off of my last podcast, which is was about the journey to self-love, and this is going to be a journey, so it's just going to be lots and lots of podcasts that are on that journey, um, integrated throughout some other topics. Um, and so where we left off on the last one um, was that you need to get to know yourself. And the best way to get to know yourself is to ask yourself questions that you would ask someone else to get to know them. Um, obviously, you know the surface questions, your favorite color, your favorite movie. Um, if you don't, then that's fine too. Start like figuring out what your favorite things are. But if you've already kind of passed that point, you're like, yeah, I already know my favorite color. I've known it for like 10 years because it's been the same color for 10 years or whatever. Um, then you would benefit from asking yourself really in-depth questions that have to make you think. Um, questions that if someone asked you, you wouldn't just be like off the top of your head, like blue or um, an orchid or just, you know, whatever, like the question they ask you. So I have found a great source online of getting to know you questions and I'm going to read those and then try to answer some of them. There's 200. So I'm not going to be able to answer all of them. Yes, I will be using the full hour, but I will not answer all of them in an hour. I promise. It takes me like 10 minutes to answer one question. That's how much I talk. And I think that, um, um, is, you know, a, I guess like it's a flaw because a lot of people are like, man, you talk a lot. But in this sense, like the fact that I have a podcast, it's a good thing because I always have content and I'm always having something to talk about. Like you could tell me to talk about wallpaper and I literally could spend the whole entire time of my one hour time set to talk about wallpaper. That's how easy it is for me to talk and how much I talk. So um, and I and I've been also working on that around other people. I try to listen Um I know the whole saying, like, God gave us two ears, one mouth, so we can listen to us as much as we talk. Well, I didn't get that memo, so um, I'm trying. But I do, I have been, like, stopping myself and just, like, letting people talk in, in real life, like, the people I know in real life, and letting them talk um, before I even say anything. And that's helped a lot because in the future, I want... My goal, obviously, you guys know, I want to be a life coach and you have to listen in order to be a life coach. Um, I think one of the things, though, that puts me like, you know, in a different category, I guess you could say, with that is that I can already feel people's emotions. So it's not that they have to communicate their emotions to me. Um, immediately when I walk into a room, I can feel people's emotions like almost everybody in the room. All I need is like three seconds and close contact. Like I already know what they're feeling. I don't know why they're feeling that. I'm not like a psychic or something, you know, but I can feel their emotions. Like I'm a conductor to their emotions. So if they're feeling sadness, even if they're trying to hide it, I can feel it. Um, which is why I get anxiety when I'm around a lot of people at once because I'm feeling a lot of emotions at once and it causes an anxiety. So I'm, I'm trying to deal with that. Um, because I'm also a very outgoing people person. So I like being around people. Um, it's just when I'm in a, around a lot of people, 
um, at once and they're really in close proximity to me. I'm start, I start to like feel everybody's emotions and especially if they're conflicted, like when there's um, two people who are angry at each other, that gives me anxiety. Um, And, like, most people wouldn't know that I get, like, that type of anxiety from being around people because they don't show it. Um, I'm pretty good at also hiding my own emotions. It's not like I go around crying all the time because I'm around people who are sad or, you know, like, I don't um, act out always on the emotions that I feel. But it doesn't stop me from feeling and being a conductor to those emotions. Um, but... Back to what I was saying about asking the questions. So, um, the whole getting to know yourself questions. I have some that I have gotten offline, but also I have some from um, one of my biggest supporters who always makes me smile and um, is one of my newly subscribers, newest subscribers. And... um, I'm going to read some of his actually really good questions, really in-depth questions. So I'm going to get right into that. And I haven't answered those questions for him yet. So he's going to hear them, the answers, uh, at the same time you do. So that's going to be interesting. Um, so his questions, I have to bring them up. Sorry, like I have to flip between my Anchor app and the um, app that has the questions. Okay, so... He asked me, um, what makes me pure? Um, so, okay. Uh, one, I don't think of myself as pure. Um, like if meaning like perfect or without any blemishes, like the definition of pure, um, I have a very strong moral compass and that's, there's two reasons for that. One is because um, of God and the other is because I'm an empath and I would just rather do the right thing because it feels good. It actually feels really good to do the right thing even when it doesn't seem like what other people would want to do. It just feels good and doing the wrong thing feels bad. So I just, I want to feel good. So my moral compass is always pointed north. However, it doesn't even mean at all in any way, shape, or form that I'm perfect. Because not only do I have like flaws like crazy, but even sometimes when you intend to do the right thing, you actually do the wrong things. My intentions are always pointed north. But I end up sometimes like just doing the total complete wrong thing. And I screw up all the time. And... um I'm nowhere near perfect, like just so the definition is clear, but I'm pretty sure that's not what you meant. I'm pretty sure you meant like my moral compass. Um, I and I just love people and I love people to be happy and I want people to be happy. Um, and that's what makes me happy is other people to be happy. So, like, I'm not gonna do like you know things to hurt people. Um, so that's is that question. I'm trying not to be as long-winded as I normally am with all my questions because, or with everything, literally everything as I talk so much. Um, the next question is, um, he said, your knowledge is out of this world 
and I want to know if you have ever studied quantum physics. You seem like you have. Um, so, no, I have never studied quantum physics. Um, oh, and there's more. Hold on. It says, sorry. Mass and particles in our body, etc. Oh, yeah, no, I've never studied that. Um, but it's something that's interesting and interests me. And it has something to do with, um, like, the world around us and things like that. I definitely would be interested in studying that. Um, I know that I'm interested in, like, time travel and things like that. And, like, I'm interested in um, the makeup of our body. I'm interested in quantum physics, like, obviously. But the... Um, actually studying it no I have not but typically when I'm interested in something I just like research it and study it and um right now like the thing that I'm really just like soaking up as much knowledge and energy as I can is uh, the human brain I've always been interested in um, how the human brain works how it's like a computer and how it actually can be programmed like a computer and um how you know there's um anomalies in some people's brains that make them different um and what we would call crazy like people who are schizophrenic uh people with disassociative identity disorder which used to be called multiple personality disorder um all those things they um they interest me i want to know what anomalies happen in the brain in order for that to happen um sometimes they say sometimes it's can like the surroundings and atmosphere and the way that someone grew up and that has a lot to do with it but um the brain the physicality of the brain actually changes the chemical um, reactions in uh, chemical makeup of the brain changes in those people so i've just really been interested in like studying that and that's kind of what i'm like really hardcore trying to soak up the information on um as far as like my wealth of knowledge um a lot of it comes from just researching anything that I'm just like, oh, that's interesting. I want to look it up. Like recently I found out about chimeras and that a person can actually have two different um, sets of DNA inside of them, which is like freaking mind blowing. So I've been actually researching that too, like on my own a little bit. Um, but anything that interests me, I, I just don't like say, oh, that's interesting and don't do anything about it. I just learn it. Because I want to know. Like, I feel like I just want to know everything. But I don't know everything. And I never will know everything. But I want to know everything that I can. I want to just be a sponge and soak up as much knowledge as I can in this lifetime. And, um, I, you know, like, I also, when it comes to emotional things, um, it's really weird. I really feel like I was like, just born with this deep insight to, um, to like spiritual and emotional, um, depth. And, um, I explained this a little bit earlier when I was talking about being an empath. Um, at 10 years old, I wrote a poem about, and a very in-depth poem, not like a normal 10 year old would write, um, about, a man watching his wife die of cancer right before his eyes as, as each day she was fading more and more from life. And at 10 years old, I had a really deep, 
deep understanding of loss. And I had never lost anybody at that time. Um, later on, ironically, I don't want to say ironically, but later on, um, I actually lost my grandmother and the exact same thing happened. My grandfather watched my grandmother fade away from life. And it's like, I tapped into those feelings at 10 years old when I had nothing to draw from, no experience or anything. I was just able to tap into it. And I gave that poem to my grandfather um, when it did happen. And he was like really impressed by it. But then um, he, and he didn't know that I'd written it when I was 10. And so he was just like, this is really beautiful. Thank you. And I was a full grown adult when I gave it to him um, because it, it happened when I was an adult, but when I was 10, I didn't know that was going to happen. And I'm not saying I predicted the future because I have like poems of all different types of things that haven't happened, but it was just more of like, I tapped into those feelings at 10 years old. And when he found out that I was 10, when I wrote that, he didn't believe it. He was like, you did not write this when you're 10. There's no way. There's absolutely no way. And I was like, well, no, I didn't predict this happening. He's like, yeah, but you would have never understood the depth, these feelings that you're expressing in this poem. There's no way you would have been able to understand them without having experienced it or known someone to experience it. And at 10 years old, to have to be able to conceive those feelings on such a deep level, it's, it's mind-blowing. So I think that's the point when I realized that I was a little different. Like, I've always seen myself as a little different than everybody else. But um, I think that's when I was like, he's right. Like, I don't know any other 10-year-olds that could have understood this, this deep emotion and not had any contact with it. I do see that there are some kids that, like, have that understanding because they lost their apparent or something like that. Of course, they're going to feel those emotions. But I felt those emotions and had no contact with anyone who's ever gone through it. So, like, I've, I've felt people's pain in different things and, and movies are the worst for me because like I can watch a movie that's sad and it just like it fills me up with sadness like I feel it on such a real level and even though it's a movie I feel like it it brings me to a place where I um can feel I can place it in the world like say like there's a movie about you know somebody who's um, you know, best friend is dying or something because there's tons of those movies. They're so sad. But there's someone out there in the world whose best friend is dying. So, like, automatically I just place myself in that real-life situation. Like, I feel their pain. And even though it's just a movie and it's just actors, somebody out there is really feeling that. And that's what gets me is that, like, I tap into that emotion. And it just, like, it really makes me sad. And, um, so I have, how do I combat that is I just try to make people happy, I try to make as many people happy as I can, because then I'm like fighting off that, that sadness and that, um, deep, deep, like depression and sadness and things like that, because everyone thinks like I'm this happy, go lucky person. And yes, like, to be honest, I'm happy all the time. But the reason why is because if I were to start down a road of depression it would be 
too hard to get out of. And I know that. I know that it would be like this black hole that would just suck me in because not only would I feel my own depression, but then I would like literally just start like sucking in any and every other person's depression in this world and I would just not come out of it alive. And um, being around negative people has shown me that um, I can't, if I can't turn it around, if I can't bring someone in my life that's completely negative, but then like turn it around and try to figure out ways to make them happy or actually make them happy in ways, um, then I have to cut them out of my life because they actually just like suck me in like a black hole and I can't, I can't do it. Um, so, and I think I have another podcast that talks about that. Um, it's called the positivity account. And so I recommend if you want to hear more about that, you listen to that. But I've gone on for like 16 minutes on like two questions. So I'm going to move on to the next question that was from Clark Kent. And um, the question is, um, do we control our own thoughts? Or do you believe we control our own thoughts? So yes and no. Yes. Because, well, I'll start with the no. Okay, so as weird as you're going to think this is, um, God talks to me. And, um, well, the enemy talks to me too. So, like, I believe in God. That's, like, clear in most all of my podcasts. And I believe that I can communicate with him. Um, it is a still small voice, and you have to be, like, in tune and, like, really, um, like, point your compass or not your compass like fine-tune like a radio like fine-tune into that station because it's not something you just like hear loud and it's booming and stuff it's like a thought or a feeling that you can tune into and um and like it's like having a spirit channel and it's really hard to like really tune into it unless you're really focused really like getting into the spirit mode and how I do that usually is with worship. Um, when I get into my praise and worship, that's when I usually get, um, you know, talked to from God. Um, and I'm a very analytical person as well. So I'm always like, is that you God? That's probably my own thoughts. And I'm going to just say that that's me. And then he like, is like, no, Ashley, it's me. Because he knows how stubborn I am. So then he, like, sends people my way. And that's how I know that it's him. Because they literally say the exact same thing that he said to me. Um, and I never spoke it out loud. So, like, let's just say that he tells me that um, um, I need to talk to someone. And it's really important. And that that I need to... Um, pray for this person or like talk to them or deliver a message to them or whatever so like I'm like oh god really I don't I don't know like I don't think I don't think it's you maybe it's not you maybe it's just me feeling bad blah 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 so then another person will come to me usually a believer most of the time I'm a believer but on the occasion it Sometimes it hasn't been. It's just been someone who, like, reiterated exactly what he said and didn't realize that um, God had spoke to me and told me that. So then another person will come up to me and be like, Hey, um, God has just laid it on my heart to tell you that um, you really need to talk to that person. 
and I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> and they're like, I don't know who, who it is or whatever, but God is telling me that you need to talk to the person that he's telling you to talk to. So then I'm like, hmm, coincidence, maybe. And then another person will come up to me. Not knowing that the other person came up to me, it'll be someone else, even from like somebody from a different church or someone that I just know from a different place or whatever. Like God knows that I'm, I am hard on coincidences. Like I'm like, Oh, if they go to the same church, maybe they talk to each other. Or if they're like on my friends list together, maybe they know each other and they talk to each other. But no, it's usually somebody that doesn't know the other person at all. And they tell me, uh, God's been laying it on my heart to tell you that you really need to deliver that message to your friend. And sometimes they'll know, like, something about them, like your friend from Alabama. And I'm like, what? What? How do you know this? So then I'm like, okay, God, yeah, I got you. I'm going to do it because I have to. Because if I don't, then, you know, it's um, it's going to have consequences. Not usually anything really bad. Like, I don't get struck by lightning or anything like that crazy um <laughs> usually it's just that um the other person could experience a blessing or um I could intervene in something really deep or spiritual or something in their life and because I'm not being obedient to the call um that intervention doesn't happen and they don't experience that joy or whatever it is um and like God leads me in so many different things, like on different things, not just talking to people. It's decisions in my own life. I could make the wrong decision if I don't listen to him. So um, I, I definitely um, say that those thoughts are not my thoughts. And it says in the Bible, his thoughts are, his, are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. Um, they're definitely not my thoughts absolutely definitely not my thoughts and sometimes he like has me do things and I'm like oh my gosh seriously I don't want to do this like at three in the morning he'll wake me up and say pray for this person and I'm like god really don't like I'm tired I just want to sleep can I do it when I wake up and then come to find out and I do it because I've learned that when I don't do it um things you know I'm I'm not when I'm not obedient to the call I don't get punished per se but I see the effects of not doing it and they're not great and the effects of doing it are great so I'd rather do it um like he'll wake me like like I said at three in the morning and say pray for this person come to find out like the next day I find out after I've prayed or whatever that somebody was in a terrible car accident at three in the morning and that's the exact person I was praying for. So yes, it is God. Like anybody who doubts that, I'm sorry that you doubt that, but like I'm one of those people who's like skeptical to the max. I mean, like I analyze things so hard. I'm like, oh, that could be a coincidence. Oh, this guy, I connect things. So like if it can be connected, I connect it. And the only way to connect it in the way he shows it to me and the way he brings it to me is that it it's him. Like there's no doubting it. So, um, so those thoughts come from him. Um, usually it's a still small voice. And like I said, usually they're not something I want to do. And I'm like, I don't wake up at three in the morning being like, yes, I'm going to pray for somebody. Like it's, 
and it's just a con like it constantly is like nope pray for this person don't go back to sleep Ashley pray for this person Ashley don't go back to sleep pray for this person and I'm like oh okay fine and I do it but then I'm happy that I do it because like I said it always has like something good um come of it and um even though like when I find out someone was in a car accident or whatever um having prayed for them I find that you know that they're safe and that you know nothing happened they're just a few scrapes and bruises or whatever and um and you know that makes me feel good and I don't tell them I'm not like oh because I prayed for you you didn't die because like what's the point in that that's self-gratification but inside I kind of feel like you know like maybe not just me maybe he got around you know a whole bunch of people just one after the other praying and protecting this person um from danger or from something really awful um and again it's not me it's the power of god that saved the person it's just me manifesting it through prayer um and what's done on earth is done in heaven what's heaven done on earth it says that in the bible and there has to be um a physical well i'll even tell that in another in a totally another podcast because that's just like going off topic so yeah 25 minutes in you guys to fully answered two questions i haven't even gotten to my own questions so we're gonna like speed things up a little bit and um the next question from the lovely clark kent is um it is oh and i didn't even finish that question shoot Sorry. Okay, so do we control our own thoughts? So as you know, I just said that certain thoughts, no, because they come from God. Um, or the enemy, because the enemy can put thoughts in your head. Those thoughts are usually like, um, you shouldn't live. You should be dead. Um, I'm ugly. I'm stupid. Those are thoughts that actually don't come from us. Our spirit, our natural spirit is actually um, full of light and, and does not want those. We don't want those things but but the enemy is constantly pouring that into us and if we allow a negative um it like if we have a negative source around us then those feelings and those thoughts are conducted easily into us um and then they can become our own thoughts they don't start out our own thoughts our our own thoughts are usually um, come from our spirit, come from ourselves, and they are thoughts that um, have to do with us, I guess. Like, for me, anyway, I guess I guess different people are different, because there's, like, evil people out in the world that don't have positive thoughts, but I feel like that they've, um, they have, over time, accepted the negative thoughts as their own thoughts, and they have become their own thoughts. I don't think anyone's born evil. I just don't, that concept is just foreign to me. I can't possibly imagine even if even if they're born with like their brain chemicals being made up a different way that's why I study that because I'm like I just don't I don't believe I believe you have a disposition but you are not born evil even if you like come from an evil family like you're just not born evil um so then um your thoughts can be controlled and trained um it's kind of like a dog you know, like when you first get a puppy, they're going to pee on the floor, poop on the floor, just do whatever they want and run rampant. And that's kind of how your thoughts are at the beginning when you, um, 
before you try to control them. And they can, they can always be that way. You could always just let them run rampant and do whatever, but then you're not exactly uh, in control and you're just, you know, acting all willy nilly and doing things because of your thoughts. Um, you can control your thoughts. And I think that um, the brain being a computer um, or very similar to a computer um, shows that you can actually like program your thoughts. And um, in one of my other podcasts, uh, The Power of the Letter P, I actually go into really great detail on how this is possible. Um, how are we able to remember things? Usually because of um, things like um, assonance and alliteration. Um, when there's repet repetition, repetitive vowels, repetitive consonants, we remember those things. Um, that's why we're drawn to music and lyrics, things like that, because the repetition, and especially in children's songs, how we get kids to remember certain things or to like doing certain things or like to remember to brush their teeth, we make up a song about it because that's a way that we can condition the brain. It's almost like a little program that we're putting in that they're following and the song is kind of like a way of them um, constantly remembering. So like we could remember songs we were sung in childhood, you know, and, um, and that's like many, many, many years ago. Um, the, the brain is just like a magical organ. Like it's, it's incredible the things the brain can do and what you can do with your brain. You can train your brain to be positive and like, in one of my other podcasts, um, I was talking about, you know, positivity and training your brain toward positivity. We are, um, we are conditioned from a very young age for our brain to actually just automatically go toward negative things. Like I um, mentioned in another podcast, when you're um, driving down the road and you see someone, um, you know, with a fancier car than you or a nicer house, automatically your brain goes to like, oh man, like my car is a piece of crap. Like I need this. I wish I had a bigger house. Oh, I wish I was this person. It's so negative, so negative. But why aren't we just glancing over and just turning our head a little bit the other way and seeing that there's a man standing on the side of the road with a sign that says will work for food and whatever put him in that situation because we're not going to argue that point like drugs or whatever whatever put him in that situation you're not the one standing on that corner whatever put him in that situation you aren't on that corner so you aren't like begging for food or for money so Shouldn't you be grateful? Shouldn't you be like, man, this car is awesome. I can get from point A to point B. I don't have to walk. I have enough money to fill the gas up. Like, I'm doing really good. We condition ourselves um, from a young age, or the world has conditioned us to negativity. So we can actually train our brain toward positivity. We just have to catch ourselves. And I, I feel like our thoughts are like clouds that just float by. And we can either, like... Um, really really pay attention to them and delve into them and start like you know going with it we can pick which ones we pay attention to but if we just let one blow by like one negative thought can just blow by and we don't have to really pay attention to it we don't have to keep it going and building off of it we um like a thought can go by it's like you know you look in the mirror because this happens to me i look in the mirror and i'm like Bleh. 
So that does happen. I'm serious. Um, but then like, you know, I'm like, gosh, you know, I'm, I'm being negative. I need to stop. So when you catch yourself being negative, you can turn it around. Um, those initial thoughts, I think they come from the enemy. Um, but I, I just believe any form of negativity is evil. And, um, I had a debate with someone on this really, really intense debate that, um, that I, I believe all negativity is evil, every bit of it. So, um, I'm not saying that a person who has negative, like if I say something negative or someone says something negative, I'm not calling them an evil person, but where the negativity came from is an evil source. And so I believe that, um, the enemy can speak negative things to you or cause negative things, um, to be put in your head, but you can control your own thoughts. You can very well control your own thoughts. You have so much more power than you think you do. Um, you can, and the power of the brain is incredible. When we're talking about, like, there are some people who believe that, that, I don't know, like, I'm just putting something out there, but they believe that they're invincible. Like, they don't believe, like, some people, there are some people that believe that if they got shot with a bullet, they wouldn't die. The brain is so powerful. It can make you believe something so strongly. And so, like, that's why I'm so analytical, too, about, like, things like God and things like that because of the logical side, you know, when you look at it logically from just a logic standpoint, you don't it doesn't really make sense but when you add spirit into it and when you add um emotion into it because we're emotional beings when you add those things into it then it does connect the dots and i've um ha i've had to research a lot of the history of the bible and things like that because i found it hard to you know like a hard pill to swallow but once god started talking to me i was like yeah um this is undeniable and i can't really 100% like deny this because it's real it's real to me um and that's why like I'm not critical of people who don't believe in God because they haven't had that God experience and I would be on that exact same wavelength as them if I wouldn't have had a God experience and um now lots of them but the first time I had God experience it was like whoa this is this is a little out of my comfort zone because I even though I'm a very deeply emotional person and a deeply spiritual person in the way that um I recognize negativity and positivity and love and light and happiness um that the concept of God and Jesus dying on the cross and the bible and all those things um, even though it was also ingrained into me growing up, I rejected it because it just didn't add up to me and things have to add up and they have to make sense. Um, so I had, I researched it and my research brought me to the conclusion that God is real. And then he started like really, um, pouring into me. And, and it's funny because at the same time I was doing research on him, same time that I was like learning about him, really learning about him on a deeper level, um, is when he was like, yeah, I'm real and I'll show you because I'm going to now uh, come into your thoughts and talk to you and you're going to think you're crazy. But then 
I'm going to prove it by backing it up with scripture or several other people coming to you and saying exactly what I said. So then I was like, okay, this is real. This is, this is real or I'm crazy and I'm willing to accept that I'm crazy, but I can't possibly be crazy if all these people are coming up to me as well and telling me like me and all these people can't be crazy at the same time. That's not logical. So, and it's not logical for it to be a coincidence. So what is it, Scott? Um, I have another friend that's logical like I am and she hasn't had a, that experience. And so I, I completely understand like why she doesn't believe in God. I understand because growing up, I'm like, really like, then I had all these questions like, then how did dinosaurs, like, how do you explain dinosaurs? How do you explain this? Blah, blah, blah. And I just, just like pour out all these questions, which later in life, I answered because I looked up and I found answers and I researched and that's what I do is I research. Um, 36 minutes in, I don't even think I'm going to be able to get to my own questions. This is so sad. Um, but see, I'm getting to know myself. So this is great. And I hope you guys are asking the same questions of yourself. Um, and maybe like getting to know yourself on a deeper level. Um, so he said, do, uh, do you believe we control our own destiny or is everything we do planned from a higher power? Okay. So that is definitely going to take a long time to answer. Um, I believe that this is, this is a concept that it's very hard to, um, explain but I get it in my head. So I'm going to try my best to explain it. Um, oh, the movie Minority Report. If you've ever seen that movie. Um, Pre-crime. Like people can get arrested because of something that the um, Oracle knows is going to happen. And a crime that someone knows that they're going to commit. So like... Somebody's just sitting in their, you know, house doing dishes. But um, the oracle says this person is going to commit a murder. So they get arrested for it and the murder never happens. Okay, so kind of like um, it, it's going to kind of be like that. So God is in, in that sense, the oracle. Like he knows everything that's going to happen. He has already seen the end. From the beginning and um we it's hard for us to conceive that because we live in a world where nothing is infinite um we look at every single thing around us and it has a beginning middle and end it has a birth and a death anything that's living has a birth and a death anything that is made still deteriorates there's nothing that lasts forever so for us to conceive the idea of forever it's very hard for us um, I like to close my eyes sometimes and just like understand that everything that I'm seeing, which is darkness, it goes on forever. It's an expanse that goes on forever. And time is also in that way where it's like a circle because a circle goes on forever. You just keep going around that circle. So God created time. God created all of this. So of course he knows any and all of it. Like he's the creator. Um, just like I don't know, like, 
we are higher life form than um, our pet. Our dog doesn't understand the things that we understand. Sometimes we see things before they see things, you know, like um, danger or, you know, and, and also, I guess, like, animals are also kind of tapped into a spiritual sense as well. But, like, just saying that we're, like, a higher being, we understand things like you can't, a dog can't do, you know, calculus and stuff. So God is on, like, a higher level than we are. Um, he created our brains. He created our emotions. He created us. So he's on, like, a much... A higher level than we are so he knows everything he's omnipotent all, all powerful um, omnipresent and he also has already seen the future from the beginning so he like knew what every single person's life choice was going to be he gave us um the power to choose but he already knew what our choices were going to be. Not that he created those choices for us in the same way that like in Minority Report, the Oracle didn't like choose for that person um, to commit a murder, but they already see it. They already knew what was going to happen. Now, God is different in the fact that he doesn't arrest us for pre-crime. He could have just rounded all of the ones up that were going to be bad or, you know, do evil things and just like, you know, be done with them and then let the rest of us be fine. He, he's letting us live it out because it's not fair to judge us on pre-crime. Like, it's not fair. We still make our decisions. We're still living it out. But he's already seen the end. He's already seen what decisions we make. Do we make our own decisions? Yes. We, we still choose our own path. Um, we choose we choose what path we go on, but our destiny is already seen. God has already seen our destiny, sees what we're going to do and what, how we're going to do it. So it's like really hard to conceive that idea that, um, like, like some people say, well, if God already saw it, then that means he made that choice for us a long time ago. No, it doesn't mean that. It means that he could have given us, um, like he could have, taken away our free will and then we all would be on the same path and we all would be exactly the same and he could have made us worship him um day and night and he could have just created us just to worship him and though we were created for worship and he did create us for worship we have the choice to worship or not to because a gift a forced gift isn't a gift if we gave our hearts to him because he made us, it wouldn't be a gift. And he's he's a loving and fair and compassionate God. He's not going to force people um, to love him. So um, he he has created uh, this plan. This this well, I wouldn't say he created. He has in the spirit realm. It's different than the physical realm. Uh, we can tap into things, unbelievable power, unbelievable power um, that is common in the spirit realm. Healing, all those things are completely common. Jesus came down to earth and, and he, since he was God inside, he was able to um, bring the spirit realm to the physical realm and heal people and, and, um, and perform miracles. Um, 
not just because he was God, but because he brought the spirit realm into the physical realm, we can tap into the same power because he allows us to. He said he gave us spiritual gifts. Um, however, our, our brains are analytical and we're like, mm, these spiritual gifts, they just sound a little bit out there. Like we're not, we're not superhuman, but we are, we actually are. And I think that's the draw. We have so much to like superheroes and things like that is because deep down inside we have those um, superpowers. We have the power um, and we, we just don't tap into it because it takes being in the will of God to tap into it. Um, I believe our destiny, like he already knows who's written in the book of life. He already knows who's in it, but he's waiting for us to literally go through our lives and make the choices to get there. Because if he would have just been like, well, Ashley, I know that um, you weren't going to choose me, even though I didn't give you the chance to live out your life and choose me because I already saw the end from the beginning. So I'm just going to like, you're just not going to go to heaven. Then it, w it wouldn't be fair. He's a fair God. So he, he he's always um, trying to get us to reach deep down inside of ourselves and try to conceive that um, we have those choices. We can make those choices. Um, he's already seen what choices we make, but it, I almost feel like it, it can, it's ever-changing. Like he's seen it, but it can change. And that concept is hard to believe too, but you right now have a decision. You alone can make that decision. God's already seen that decision, but you can make that decision. So we think it, of it as ever-changing, but God's already seen the end result, I guess. Like he's already seen it play out, but he wants it to play out so that way we don't get judged for something we didn't even do yet we would have done but we didn't do yet so our destiny is already um written but we have the ability to make the choices that we make to affect our destiny if that makes any sense um next question um I'm going to do some, like, elevator music while I'm looking for the question. So, um, <laughs> do, 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 Oh, how I handled my breakup. Well, hold on one second because, oh, yeah, that's a toddler. Hold on. Um, so how did I handle the breakup? So first off, I left him, um, we were together for 15 years and, um, it, it was very hard. I always knew I was going to leave because it just, I was miserable. And, um, one thing is that, um, he was a narcissist and I had to do a lot of research on narcissists and empaths and um, sociopaths and things like that because um, I had to really understand 
the cycle that I was going through. Um, he was abusive and I thought that I could help him because, um, there were, it was like he was two different people. So I would compartmentalize one person as really great and awesome and full of love and compassion. And then the other person had absolutely no compassion, no empathy, hated me, hate, like, would burn me alive if he could. Like, that's how I compartmentalized the two. And, um, realizing after reading about narcissism, um, and especially sociopathic narcissism, um, he doesn't have emotion. So I, all this time, like I would always like, usually with everyone else, I'm like, I already know what you're feeling. I already know what you're feeling. Why are you feeling that way? And typically I don't like really prying into people like, you know, and stuff, but I still like, you know, pushing a little bit to find out like if they're okay like is everything okay because you seem a little off and usually they're like what no I'm fine you know but then later they'll come to me and be like how did you know I was going through something because I was like no one else knew and I was and I was you know trying to hide it the best I could how did you know well with a narcissist it's a lot harder because they actually have no empathy they have no feelings um in the same way that we do. So you can't read a narcissist. A narcissist can read you, like, pinpoint exactly how you're feeling. But they can't feel it, and they don't care. They use it for manipulation. So he always knew exactly what it took to say to make me feel better or to manipulate me to do something that he wanted um, because he knew what kind of person I am. And he knew that, like apologies are huge with me sounding sincere and all those things are really important to me so he would do that when he felt the need to do it but um it wasn't it wasn't real and I realized that um a person can't be two different people so even though I compartmentalized them as two different people and I reacted um you know adversely to each person that I thought he was um, it wasn't until I realized that one person, unless you have disassociative identity disorder, which is a totally different thing, um, you can't be two different people. You can't believe two different things. You can't have hatred and love in your heart. There's, it's not possible to, the two cannot coexist. So one was a mask and I had to ask myself, which one? And it was hard because, um, it looks like I'm probably just going to go into another hour in my next podcast because I haven't even gotten through these questions yet. And I apologize. I talk so much, so freaking much. So, but, um, I, I had to ask myself with him, which one was the mask and, um, a good person, a person with moral compass and a person who, um, he pretended to be the one, the when I compartmentalized the good side, you know, um, wouldn't pretend to be evil, would have no reason to, would have no reason to put on an evil mask for any reason ever. Like why, why? So, um, I realized that the evil side that he was, was putting on the good mask to manipulate, get things that he wanted. And, um, 
He he doesn't even experience anger in the same way that other people do. He gets angry, but it's it's more of a controlled um, sense. So I used to think, and he used to blame it on, oh, I just I have anger issues, of anger problems, and he would be very physically abusive. But I noticed that he had a level of control that was unbelievable when other people were around. Um, and that showed me that he can control it because if he doesn't do it in front of his friends, he treats me a totally different way in front of his friends. I could say something like, um, you know, or do something. Like, for instance, if, if I did something as small as, like, can't find the keys or something like that, it would, it would have been a flip switch for physical violence um, if no one was around. But if it happened around someone, then there would be an enormous amount of compassion shown that wasn't normally there. Like, oh, it's okay. Everybody loses their keys. It's okay. I'll help you find them. And it's like, who is this person? So I realized that he became, he became who he wanted to be um, around other people in that he was putting on a mask, uh, essentially, and that that's not the person that he was. It was just who he wanted other people to think he was. And he did a darn good job of it because no one believed me that he was this narcissistic person. And, um, and it was very, very difficult. I think the hardest part of leaving was actually dealing with the backlash of everybody telling me that I did the most horrible thing by breaking up my family. And, um, you know, that, that was the hardest part for me. It wasn't actually in the leaving. I was, uh, codependent on the relationship only because um I had like um Stockholm syndrome I think I mean in a way because it didn't it got to a point where the amount of love that I had from the beginning had um I went through stages like I went through like I'll do anything I did like the 40-day love dare I did anything I could to try to um change that part of him and I realized that, that that's who he was you can't change people like that and um and it just sucked the life out of me so living there um and it took 15 years to leave I left like 22 times but um no I, not literally 22 but like over 20 times I lost count um but I'd always only be gone for like a day or two or a week or two um, this time I've been gone for almost three years and I'm very proud of myself. I've already passed that point of like no return. There's no way that I would ever go back to the way it was, but it got to the point where, um, and many times I would, you know, I would come back because it was just, you know, harder to figure it out on my own. And I was scared of like being homeless and stuff. But then like one day I, I broke down and I was like, homelessness would actually be better than this. Like I could live on the side of the road and beg people for food and money and be okay with that more than I am this life that I'm living every day because I was so broken and so depressed and so and just, I, I can't even explain it. Like I, I was dying. And um, I would have committed suicide had I had to stay any longer. Um, so I just was like, you know what? I know you're going to not let me walk out with any money or the kids or anything because he controlled everything. Um, and and I didn't, at first I didn't get any of the kids. He wouldn't let me. Um, 
and again, like it's because how much control he had. And, um, this segment is about to end, but I'm definitely going to just continue on in the next one. Cause I have so many more questions that I haven't answered, but, um, um, the, um, there was a saying that I read one time and it was about a dog that was chained to, um, up in a yard. He was chained like, um, um, you know, like he, he was abused, but he was like chained. The chain was like wrapped around his neck and he couldn't, he's, he only had like two inches or three inches of, um, pull on the chain and he was like literally like stuck and the only place that he could go was like in in his little um in a little like ditch he made for himself like he dug a little hole kind of thing that he could just lay down in and that's all that he could move um and then somebody felt really bad for him and took off the chain and the dog didn't move the dog stayed um so you can be in prison without the chains. It, it's a mental thing. Um, and finally, I broke free of that prison. And um, it was very difficult because um, the fear of the unknown. And um, a narcissist thrives on control. Um, maybe, maybe it's like you know, to make up for the fact that they don't feel anything, they don't have any emotion. Um, but the, um, the amount of control that a narcissist can have over your mind is absolutely insane. And I was stuck in that for 15 years, but I finally got out and it wasn't really for me because if it was just me alone, I probably would have never left, sadly. And, um, and I'm just being real and honest, but it was because of my kids, because I realized that I'm allowing my children to see this and believe that it's okay to be treated like this and that this is how a normal relationship is supposed to be because he did not um, cover up his actions in front of the children. He, um, at some point, he actually stopped hitting me because he lost control um, the control that he once had by putting fear into me by like you know being physically abusive um he lost when i went to a battered woman shelter um so he realized that 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 form of control wasn't working so he stopped it wasn't that he had a problem it was that he did whatever he could in order to control me and at the time physical abuse was what worked to keep me you know in line and to shut up and to not um, go against his, um, his wishes. So, um, leaving was like, I left, you know, everything that I know. And like, I hate saying that everything was a lie, you know, like all the good times. Like I made, um, a video on Valentine's day of 2014, I think of, um, our time together. And it, it was like a beautiful video about like, you know, um, our relationship, but it was just not true. Like it was, I tried to find all the good in our relationship and I put it in that video. But when I watched the video, I cry because it said, it said things like, you know, you make me want to be a better person. And that's true because I 
wanted to be a better person because I, I wanted to help him make him better. And every day I tried to be a better person. But I'm going to continue this on the next episode because obviously we ran out of time and um, I'll continue the questions and stuff. Thank you for listening. Have a good day. Bye.